All right. Thank you, Kelly Robinson, very, very much. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program. It's a warm morning, but it's a good morning across Texas, and we'd love to hear from you this morning. This is the time of year that I uh, kind of, uh, I'm not not proud guy, I kind of beg for calls because we have a lot of our stations that uh, carry uh, football games, rebroadcasts of high school games, and uh, Texas-based College games aren't a lot of those on the air right now, so that's good news for Neil. But uh, here's the number. It's 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Let's talk about the plants at your place. Let's talk about what you would be doing in the middle part of September as you get ready for fall gardening activities. Jared Taylor is uh, here, and we're uh, he's going to be answering the, the phones and running the boards and, I hope, answering the phones. We have three lines, four lines that we use, and uh, let's fill them all up, won't you please? I'll be very honest and tell you I started this day out, and it's only gotten worse with vertigo this morning. That's uh, been a six-year uh, assignment for me. Mine is migraine-associated vertigo, and, and uh, UT Southwestern is helping me with that, but uh, they can only go so far, and... and uh, and so far, <laughs> I still have some outbreaks. My wife got me to the broadcast booth, and as long as I'm sitting quietly and hanging on to something stationary, I'm good. My world is, is stationary for the moment. So let's talk gardening. That's what I really enjoy doing, and I can do quite fine as long as I'm doing that. But it will help a lot if you'll call and, and let me have a chance to talk to you about the plants at your place. Once again, it's toll-free anywhere you can hear me. We have 33 stations on the network, and uh, whether you live in Texas or one of the bordering states, I'll give it my best shot. 888-256-1080. From Victoria and Corpus Christi to Amarillo, Alpine to to uh, Crockett. Those are the the parameters of our broadcast network, and we also pick up my hometown from my childhood of College Station and uh, a lot of other great cities in between. So call now, please. Jared will be the first voice. Mine would be the second. 888-256-1080. If you're going to do a fall feeding, this is your time, gardener. This is the time to get it done. That fall feeding, the uh, turf experts tell us, is the most important feeding that you'll make all year. By the way, I have posted photographs and uh, a lot of information on St. Augustine Diagnostics. Uh, It seems like every question I get right now has to do with what's wrong with my lawn. And especially on St. Augustine, I have posted photos and detailed information about what has happened to St. Augustine lawns over the last couple of years on my website so that we don't have to take a lot of time uh, on um, uh, on the air with those. They, they turn into very lengthy calls. So go to neilsperry.com first and take a look, if you will, please. I think your questions will be answered actually better there because you can see what these things look like. And uh, you can also see the chronology of them. Uh, in, in most cases, there's no point in talking about some of these things now because they don't show up now. Um, and, and so I think that will be very helpful to you. That's at neilsperry.com. And St. Augustine Diagnostics is right there on the homepage waiting for you. But anyway, the fall feeding is very, very important, but it needs to be made right away. And uh, that feeding for all kinds of turf grasses, any kind of grass that you're growing, would be an all-nitrogen fertilizer, 
unless you're in a really sandy soil, and then it would still be a high nitrogen fertilizer. And 30 to 40 percent of that nitrogen should be slow-release nitrogen. So all nitrogen, 30 to 40 percent of that nitrogen, slow-release nitrogen. The one exception would be very sandy soils, in which case you would still use a high nitrogen fertilizer with a little phosphorus in it, the middle number, and uh, but you'd still use 30 to 40 percent slow release. And the reason for that slow release is to feed the lawn through the wintertime and get it ready for spring. It doesn't matter if the bag says winterizer on it or not. It's going to be the, basically the very same product you've used all year long. That recommendation I just gave you, I will give you again in April. I'll give it to you again in early June. So there you go. Um, we can talk about other things. If you're sowing wildflower seeds, it needs to be done pretty quickly now. Normally, I say uh, after the first rain because other, uh, usually in other years there are other rains that follow. Well, it doesn't look like there's going to be any rain any, in any great area of Texas in the next uh, week or two. And so you may have to water the wildflower seeds. But they need to be established fairly soon so that they can start growing their root systems in the fall and be ready to pop up and bloom beautifully in early spring. See, they don't have time to get established if you wait until spring to plant them. So the spring-blooming Texas wildflowers are normally planted by nature over the summer, and then a percentage of them will germinate in the fall. There's a big loss rate to insects and birds and other things eating them in the summertime and that's why we wait to plant them in early fall normally and then you water them in and and they take off and start growing and that time is here now also now if you just put out a pre-emergent weed killer a couple weeks ago at the appointed time for that don't bother putting out wildflower seeds because it will stop their germination just a, a hint that you might uh, you might waste some money and then say you know what i wonder if i shouldn't have done that so, anyway, well, that's how we'll get the program started. We have Todd in Welburn uh, in Brazos County, our first call up, and we'll go to him in just a moment. Uh, I'd like to have your call as well. We have three open lines remaining. It's 888-256-1080, 888-256-1080. That's for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Only a few copies remain of the fifth printing of Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, and I would love to get one of those in your hands. I uh, took a big load of them. The order numbers are really growing now that we've gotten into September into the fall planting season, and I have only a couple weeks, three weeks worth remaining. I'm trying to get all of the fifth printing out of the way so I can tackle the sixth printing. This this is all a big mess because of the supply chain issues of a few months ago when the printer said, we're having trouble getting some of the supplies we need. And it, actually, it was paper. And you kind of have to have paper to print a book. And so the, the printing of the sixth, uh, sixth printing was delayed. And so I hoarded the fifth printing. Then when the sixth printing could get on the presses, all of a sudden I had a bunch of fifth printing. Well, you're, you're getting the picture. So I've put them on sale at only thirty-two ninety-five. There are 11 chapters in this book, and they cover 
Outdoor Gardening for Every County in the State of Texas. Uh, Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, and these are things you need to know to get you started. Chapter 2 is when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. It tells you month by month and uh, region by region what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and protected in every part of Texas. 48 pages. Then chapters 3 through 11 cover in great detail trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. There are more than 25 multi-page charts in this book. It uh, is in beautiful color on high-quality paper. It's a hardback. 840 of my best photos, 344 pages. It is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. They're in my garage because I want to sign them for you. I'll be signing tonight, and especially tomorrow night and Monday. Then I'll take them to the post office on Tuesday, and you'll get it very quickly that way. Your satisfaction is guaranteed, but remember, you have to order it either from my website or by calling my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. The office tells Telephone number uh, during the week is 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. The better way by far is to order it right now while you're thinking about it and while I still have copies of the fifth printing. That's at neilsperry.com. Remember, it's only $32.95. If you're dissatisfied or don't think that it's worth $32.95, I'll refund every penny. I've not been asked to refund one penny out of 75,000 copies sold. That's at 800-752-GROW or at Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. It seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner, but I want to do some math with you. For what you're paying in annual costs for that storage room that you have, you could own your own metal storage building right there in your own backyard and not have to pay anything additional. How's that happen with a Mueller Backyard Building? Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble. They come with bolt-together designs, and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose, adding style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need, whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV. You can have a peace, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. You can see all the options at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Again, I spell it. That's 877-268-3553. They are Mueller, they are made in America, and they are made to last. I'll have more after this message. All right. Get your courage up, folks. I know you're out there. 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. If you have a landscaping question you've been burning to ask and just uh, said, oh, I'll never get through, you can get through right now. 
I tell you this every fall. 35 years I've done this program, and you can't get in at all in the spring, and you complain. Now you can get in, and uh, and I know you're listening. I see the ratings, 888-256-1080. We go to Todd in Welburn. Todd, this is Neil. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Yes, sir. First, Neil, let me just endorse your book. I bought one for me, and I liked it so much I gave it to I bought two more as gifts, and last weekend my daughter was here, and I gave her my book, so I'm going to have to order another one. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> my question is, uh, I've got some uh, hanging baskets, and my, my periwinkles are starting to fade a little bit. Uh, do mums do well as a hanging basket? I don't think I've ever seen any in a hanging basket, and I was kind of looking for something that might carry me it's still a little warm here might carry me over until i did some pansies yes um they are short term you you plant them in bloom or in bud into the baskets or if if you if you're a place like disney world where they have 11 color changes a year in their in their prime (laughs) spots i'm serious you know their their prime spots they'll have these four foot hanging baskets and they'll uh, they'll fill them every they'll have them coming along in their greenhouses. I've been behind the scenes there, and they'll have these giant hanging baskets in production all the time. And these are the ones that will be on display in one month, and two months, and three months. And they'll have mums in those coming along for next month. And then they'll have pansies, or then they'll have something else. And you can do it that way. They'll be good for about a month. Uh, you'd want the, the cushion mums or the garden mums, the trailing types. They, they don't really trail. They just kind of, um, uh, kind of uh, sprawl and spread. And they'd be beautiful. They would be beautiful. But, but people need to understand, I, I know you do, but not everybody will, that mums have a, a bloom life cycle of about four to five weeks. And then they right, don't bloom right. again for a year, or sometimes they'll come back into bloom in the spring for another three or four weeks. Are, are the trailing ones hard to find? No, that's what you'll find in nurseries. Oh, that's okay. what you'll find. Yeah, and they're not really trailing; they're they're mounding. And okay, okay. Yeah, and and uh, I got if if you have the, time, I've got the, one more the, question. The old name cushion mums that was used in the north is really a very good name because it, it referred to them looking like pin cushions. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, you'd have time for another question? Absolutely. Uh, I was. Uh, I got my, uh, my newsletter Thursday and was reading the questions, and one of them was a, about a lady that had a hibiscus with a mealybug problem. Uh, I actually had the same problem for the first time ever. With I, I bought some about midsummer that were kind of on sale and stuff, and they were smaller ones, and... Uh, Two of I, I may have brought them home with me. I've never had mealybugs, but two of them had them. Well, five of them had them actually, but uh, three of them got really hit bad. I've nursed two of them back, and they don't seem to have the symptoms now. The question is, I was going to try to overwinter these things in pots on the south side of the house, but might I be overwintering the mealybugs, even though I'm not really seeing you know the the white stuff that they leave and all of that okay so when you're going to overwinter them in pots on the south side of your house what's going to be around them when it gets to 25 degrees in college station oh, in, in well uh, uh i usually set up a a, a freeze cloth 
All right. And 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 was pretty uh, uh, pretty successful last year in doing that, and so I was going to do it again this year. What else will be under that frost cloth? Uh, fairly close to them. Um, airplane plants, um, uh, a croton or two. I'd be concerned um, about the croton. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm thinking about other plants that might might uh, be vulnerable. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and and if I'll just I just won't do it if you think there's a no. like I say they they look pretty good now, but I I thought they might have some. Some hidden hidden guys waiting to come back out. Well, then they may. They don't look like the one in E Gardens. <laughs> that was awful. No, not not anymore. One of them did, and and I treated it about three times, and and it's now starting to come back. I'm hoping to get it blooming before. What did you it, use? I went to the co-op, and I, I can't remember, but I, I, I went and asked their garden manager. I said, I'm looking. I had my reading glasses. I said, I'm looking for something that treats mealybugs, and she opened the thing, and she said, yeah, this is this is it. Um, well, they, they are def- they're a scale, and, and, and we can deal with scale insects, but as a group of insects, they are all difficult, and mealybugs are especially difficult because they are just breeding all the time. They're always are. Our babies are always our adults, and the adults are on top of the babies, and it's just, uh, and they're nasty. Well, they're, yeah, they're a mess. I mean, I, so, I, uh, but if you're, if you're not seeing any, and especially you have another, let's see, we're mid September, you have another, possibly another couple of months before the first freeze, right. and so you have a plenty of time to look. I'm okay with what you're considering doing. And and just okay. I would I would try to put uh, as much distance as you can between the plants. Maybe have a little drop of the frost cloth that you drop down between the plants, between do that. those and the rest of the plants. Kind of give them an isolation ward. Uh, that's what I'll do. Yeah, you can do it, Todd. I pre- right. I like your call. Not just because you're complimentary of the book, but just the nature of what you're trying to do. I like what you're doing. When well, the uh, when book I was, is book is fantastic well thank you when i was growing up uh, i played little league ball on southwest side of college station and uh, so i wasn't more than a few miles from welburn and and welburn was out there in the country and our grandson yeah, is w- going to a&m now and it, he lives out by you somewhere now so <laughs> well yeah we used to be out in the country and not we've got about 15 acres but we're so we got a little bit of buffer, but we're not so much in the country anymore. No, I know. Well, thanks for the call very much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Take care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, Russell in San Angelo with a question about yellow bells and uh, Gold Star Esperanza. And I'll come right to you. Stay with me, Russell. Let me keep on schedule here and get a break out of the way, and, and you'll be next. Folks, we have an open line, 888-256-1080. Love having you call, and it's also fun to have you call from all over the great state of Texas. Keeps me on my toes. 888-256-1080. Neil Spray's eGardens is my electronic newsletter. Todd referred to it in one of the questions that was posted in there about mealybugs on hibiscus, and uh, I'm enjoying that. That's a that's a new um, and and changed part of eGardens, and it's worked out to be really fun and and very different and uh, i think you'll enjoy it very much if you want to see what eGardens is all about go to my website you have to sign up for it we have about eighty thousand subscribers and it's free and always will be uh, there's no paid model that that after a month you're asked to pay or anything it always will be free to you 
and I have advertisers in it, and so that's how I make my uh, living uh, doing it. And I will tell you, I spend about two days a week getting eGardens ready for you. Gretchen at my office assembles what I write and the photos that I put together, and uh, then uh, Constant Contact distributes it to you. Um, I will never give or sell your email address to anybody. I don't use it to spam you. You're never going to get an ad from me saying, hey, I thought you might want to know about this or that offer. I don't do that. Um, so that's uh, those are the boilerplate things I like to get out of the way. There always are five stories. One of the stories is uh, always about a featured plant for that week. One of the stories is always that Q&A section. And that's, uh, that takes half of my preparation time. That takes one day a week. One of the stories is always gardening this weekend, where I give you the outline of details of things you need to do in your landscape and garden for the upcoming week. And then a couple of other stories. So I think you'll find that you like eGardens. People tell me, Neil, love that. Take it, read it every week. And I think you will too. Neil Sperry's eGardens, sign up for it. Take a look at it. The most recent issue is right there on the website at neilsperry.com. Same place you go to buy my book. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. In this case, click on eGardens. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And to the four of you who are on hold, filling all four of the phone lines, thank you. I just thank you. As I mentioned, uh, if in case you joined me late, I got up today and it's gotten a little bit worse with uh, the migraine of uh, associated vertigo, MAV, and just trying to get through the day and you're making it so much easier and i am immensely grateful thank you russell in san angelo this is neil good morning yeah neil good morning thanks for taking my call you bet listen i was just wondering on any kind of perennial type shrub or bush like a a yellow bell or a birds of paradise or a desert willow is it better to plant now or wait till early spring all right it is better on any I'm, i'm going to give you a comma but (laughs) <laughs> in a minute so just know it's coming and and your plant's going to be behind the comma um, it is normally better for landscape plants to plant in october or, or in the fall because it gives them the longest possible time to become established before the hot summer weather that is the foreboding time for new plants uh, because the the plants struggle with the heat and the drought but if you have a plant that you know could be tender in a winter time in your part of Texas, then you need to wait until very early spring and give it the longest possible time to become established before the winter. And yellow bells, a gold star Esperanza, would fall in that category in Tom Green County and across the, the I-20 corridor, uh, all, all across the northern uh, parts of, well, the, the middle part of Texas. Uh, okay. it, did it freeze in San Angelo uh, uh, two years ago? During, yeah, I, I know it did. Yes, yes, yeah. hard freeze, and we had a pretty hard freeze last year, too. Yeah, we did, too, and, and it almost never survives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and yeah. so it would have to be planted in the spring if we were to have any hope of it surviving the uh, the winter, even a normal winter, whatever have you ever seen a normal winter rustle in Texas? I just, no, not a normal. We hadn't seen any normal weather pattern in, in several years now. Isn't that the right? Isn't that, isn't that right? That's that's uh, that was kind yeah. of a sidestep of, of sarcasm <laughs> there, but but I would do it in the spring. 
I do it this Okay, spring. I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for, Thanks the call. for Thanks calling. Thanks for calling. You bet. Let's go to Leonard in Corpus Christi. Leonard, this is Neil. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm so glad you're here and I reached you. I've been having too. this question. It's just been burning me up, and i got to ask you. Okay. Hopefully, maybe other people have this problem, too, and you can help them. Trash okay. trees. Okay. Now, I don't know what kind they are, but they want to multiply and put out and seed a lot. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know what to call them. I don't live in the sandy area of Corpus Christi. Uh, I live in Odom. And, well, uh, what do you say about what this might be? The, the, the texture of the outside of the, the bark is kind of a gray-brown and smooth. It's not like some of them. It's not an oak tree. It's not any tree you would value. What well, do you I, say about I, I, identifying hmm. identifying uh, fast-spreading trees uh, from people describing mm-hmm. them is very, very difficult on a phone call. I can tell you the, yeah. the, the trash trees that are most common uh, in Texas. I can give you eight or ten that you could start with and, and uh, try to look up, and I'll be happy to do that. But I don't want to try to well, guarantee an identification. Well, yeah, I get you there. I don't want to necessarily, it's not important to identify them, but to stop them from growing. And I had a suspicion that we hadn't fertilized the yard in about 25 or 30 years, and my grandmother didn't have this problem with these trash trees growing then. Well, let, me, I wondered, let me ask you some questions. If you're trying to eliminate it, yeah. uh, let me ask yeah. you two or three questions that will be very important. Just answer really quickly these these questions. First of all, is this an urban area or out in the country? It's it's kind of rural. I live in Oldham. We're, we're in the city, you know. Well, you answered it both ways, so I don't know yet. Oh, oh yeah. Well, Odom's kind of small. We only have three stoplights. The, the, yeah, just really quick answers because I have you know? I have four or five other questions I want to ask you, and I don't I I, I can't okay. take three minute answers on each one of them. What I'm trying to figure out oh. is if is are these native trees that you see out in the woods when you drive from Corpus Christi towards San Antonio? Do you see these? Are they only in town? I think they've. I've only seen these in my backyard. Uh, in other areas, I see a lot of mesquite trees and oak trees. No, you're, you're giving me way too trees. much information, Leonard. I'm, it's going yeah. to take too long to answer. I would take samples of this into a, if you're trying to find out what it is, I can help you get rid of it fairly easily. But if you want to know what it is, take, take a generous sample, maybe even a small seedling that's uh, three or four feet tall, into a member of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. You're looking for a Texas-certified nursery professional. These are people with that designation. They'll have a name badge on their, on their shirt that will say that, Texas Certified Nursery Professional. It's not going to be at the box stores. It's going to be at an independent nursery. It's going to say nursery on the, on the sign out by the street. And when you go in, they'll, they'll be able to help you identify it. Trees like trees of heaven, Ilanthus, are the ones that are common trash trees in a city. Hackberries certainly are. Willows and cottonwoods come up freely from seeds. Those are the sorts of trash trees I think of. Um, that And box elder. Box elder comes up everywhere. Um, I spent a lot of time in Uvalde when I was a kid with my dad doing some research for Texas A&M, and box elder trees were everywhere there. 
I love Uvalde and 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 Southwest Texas. So I I know the South Texas trees pretty well, and I, those are the trees that I think of as trash trees. To get rid of any trash tree, the easiest way is to cut it off at the ground. If you're going to try to pull it, cut it off about 18 inches above the ground, and after you've had a heavy rain, wrap a log chain around it and pull it with a tractor or with a with a pickup with a trailer hitch. But if you just want to kill it and let it decay, cut it off at the ground, drill down into the stump with a, a great big drill bit uh, and your, your hand drill, and then pour a broad-leafed weed killer containing 2,4-D, 2,4-D, like in dandelion. Pour that in at full strength right out of the container into the hole that you've made. Get all the sawdust out of the way uh, from the drilling, and just pour it right in there and let it soak into the stump. If it's a big stump, you'll drill three or five holes and let it soak in. And it will kill out that, that stump. It'll kill out the roots and the plant won't sprout out again. The time to do that would be early March. Then, uh, the, these trees didn't develop just because she didn't fertilize the yard, but that, you know, you need to take care of a yard and, uh, and mowing them off as they try to germinate will, will discourage them. So that should be a good start, but get it identified by a, an independent retail garden center. I just wondered if somehow something about the yard, the composition, the lack of fertilizers, something no, changed no. because of their recent appearance. They didn't appear in abundance before no, just, 25 well, or 30 years ago, and now they do. No, the fertilizer is a separate thing altogether, and uh, they're just there oh. because, because the seed source cropped up. i got to run. I hope that helped, though. I appreciate your call very, very much. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to go from Corpus Christi, this is why I like this program, to Amarillo. David and Amarillo will be up next, and we have uh, Daryl in Shiro and Robert in College Station. And we have three oak questions coming up one after the other. Stay with me. My book is Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. And I wrote this one by myself with the help editorially of Carolyn Skye. I didn't write this by myself. She was an immense help. And graphic design by Cindy Smith. I hired the two of them because they're the best it gets in both cases. 344 pages, 840 of my best photos that Cindy had to work with. She had to put those together like a a giant jigsaw puzzle. Carolyn really guided me. I'm not a bad writer, but Carolyn occasionally would say, Neil, I'm not sure that the public's going to be able to read this. She's a master gardener and a, a retired university editor. So she knows, she knows good editing. And she said, I don't think they're going to be able to read this and understand what you said. I would suggest you do this or that. And, and it really made for a, a book that I think you'll find very helpful. 344 pages, 840 photos, 11 chapters that cover every aspect of outdoor gardening for every county in Texas. Landscaping, lawns, fruit, flower, and vegetable gardening. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Chapter 2 is that 48-page calendar that tells you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of your plants four pages per month all the way through the year. Uh, it took me a year to write this book. It took uh, me uh, it, it took me weeks to do just the charts that are in this book. 
more than 25 multi-page charts. It's a hardback, printed on high-quality paper, and printed in San Antonio. I sign every copy as it sells. I take them to the post office myself. I'm down to just a few hundred of the fifth printing, and I'm selling them at $32.95 to get all of the fifth printing uh, uh, sold out before the sixth printing arrives. So here it is with satisfaction, completely guaranteed or a full refund. I've never been asked to refund on any one of the books I've sold. I think you'll like it. Two ways you can order. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. Order it by calling my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Here's the phone number, 800 752 Grow, G-R-O-W. That's 800-752-4769. Better yet, order it directly from my website. Do it right now at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right. Thank you, Kelly. And let's uh, see. We're going to David in Amarillo. David, this is Neil. Good morning. Hello, David. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. How can I help you? Okay. Okay. I've got a pin oak tree. I planted it when it was little. It's about 12 foot diameter, 30 foot tall. But it's been a really good tree. But this year I noticed just the last week or so with the leaves all around the edges are turning brown. Seems like it's kind of premature for them to be turning, so I don't know if it may be needing some fertilizer or maybe it's bug. I know you can't probably tell without looking at the leaves, but... I can come pretty close. Uh, nutrients okay. will never show up just around the edges of the leaves, David. They'll show up over the okay. entire leaf. Usually when you have browning at the edges of the leaves, um, it, it's very similar to a human uh, that has circulatory problems. Uh, we, we feel... Um, I, boy, I'm as far from being a doctor, a medical doctor, as, as could be. But, but I know that when people have circulation problems, they feel it in their toes, their fingers, their earlobes, the points farthest from the heart. And that's why the doctors worry so much uh, about those parts of our body for people who have diabetes, etc. cetera. I, I don't, but that's, that's something I hear. Um, and that's the case with, with plants that don't get enough water. That's usually water stress, a plant that has root damage or that has trunk damage, um, that anything that is hindering the, the free flow of water within the plant. It could be just a plant that has gotten too dry. Uh, okay. Which, uh, yeah. In Texas can certainly happen. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. can be a, it can be a plant that has had too much fertilizer put on it and it has burned the root system. It can be transplant mm-hmm. shock where roots were left behind. But somewhere in there, there is a, an interruption of the water flow. And, and if you take really good care of the plant, then by the next spring, it usually comes out and does pretty well. Now, having said that, I have to, I'm going to ask you a question which will seem to make no sense, but I'll, I'll tie it together in almost instantly. Does this tree have pointed lobes? Does it have, does it have lobes on its leaves, indentations on the leaves, or are they, uh, are they smooth on the edge? Uh, if you if you extend all your fingers out, uh, fully right. extended, uh, and 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 compare that to the leaf, uh, does the leaf look like that where there are ins and outs on the leaf? Yeah. Like a, mm-hmm. a, yep. Okay. All right. So that is that is a true pin oak, Quercus palustris. That's the species mm-hmm. of northern pin oak or eastern pin oak. 
That tree is, in most parts of Texas, not very well adapted. It is uh, only adapted to acidic soil over in deep east Texas, and it ends up being sold in other parts of the state, and that's kind of a shame. Schumard red oak is a much better tree that looks very similar and and needs to be the one that is sold. Uh, Pin oak uh, gets missold, and after, oh, about the fourth or fifth year, it begins to have lighter colored leaves. There'll be uh, there'll be a lighter green, then there'll be yellow, and then they will turn. They'll start to uh, be browned around the edges, and then they will turn white. I'm not in the same year. Year after year, it gets mm-hmm. progressively worse. That's iron deficiency, and and then the tree begins to lose branches. How mm-hmm. old? How much of that sounds familiar? How old is this tree? It's 30 years old. I planted it with just a small tree, and it's uh, been healthy up until just, I mean, just noticing this the last couple of weeks. So Okay. But now it that's... has been dry, and I've, I've watered it, but, you know, it's hard to catch up on watering. All right. <laughs> well, still, oh, no, I know, especially this year. Put that in the back of your mind and, and do a little bit of reading. Um, you can go to my website. I have a photo of a, of a, a 20-year-old or 15-year-old pin oak uh, in the city of Allen. Uh, that had to be taken out because it it finally died of iron deficiency and and mm-hmm. you may say no he's missed it completely that's not it but I'd, I'd like to mention that because it it does cause people a lot of concern and you cannot add iron and correct that problem on a great big tree but that doesn't sound like that's it but anyway I think we've covered it all right well I appreciate it thanks for calling I appreciate that all right I gotta get a break in and we'll do the quickest break you ever heard from my websites where you buy my book where you sign up for eGardens it's neilsperry.com n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y dot com the 1930s were difficult times for America the country was in the great depression jobs were scarce but hopes remained high and it was during that time that Mueller started making metal products now here we are 90 years later and the Mueller name is known across the south as having the final and quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and the Mueller products, they understand what it means to weather a storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions. From the harsh weather we're accustomed to in our area, a Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and snowstorms for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Learn more and find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America. They're made to last. MuellerInc.com. More after this message. Thank you, Kelly. We have a couple minutes left, and and uh, we'll go to Daryl in Shiro. Daryl, this is Neil. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking the call. Um, sure. I'm out here, and uh, I've I live pretty. I've got a bunch of trees on my property, but I'm losing some of these uh, oak trees and and even a cedar too. And um, and a plum tree bush that I'd planted a while back, maybe 10, 15 years ago. And I'm thinking it's just heat and uh, drought stress. My question is, when they when the leaves start turning brown this time of year and they look dead, is there any chance of them coming back? 
All right. First, to get something out of the way, have you done any constructing or anything else around these trees that, that might have caused no, this problem? Just the drought, just the heat. Yeah, yeah. They're just scattered okay. out here and there. And uh, the ones that are kind of in the way, you know, like maybe near a drive or something where they're starting to drop branches and stuff even, I've gone ahead and dropped those. But there's a few of them that, you know, they look dead, but I, I'm kind of hesitant to cut them down just right now, and I'm wondering if they, they'll sure. come back in the spring or if they're when gone. Did this, when did this uh, uh, sickly appearance begin showing up? It was in August? A month ago. It? Okay. A good month, six weeks ago. And, yeah. I mean, they look completely dead now. I think they're dead. Well, they probably are. But, Daryl, you know what? You're going to know by spring, and they're going to lose – all trees are going to lose their leaves in six weeks – and then they'll look like right. the rest of them. If they're not going to, if they're not going to endanger anything, if they were to fall over the winter, I'd leave them. If they're up close to a house or the drive, like you said, I'd go ahead and drop them. But, but otherwise, I'd leave them and see what comes out. They probably will not come out. Um, yeah. I just wondered if they were killed by the cold a year ago because we lost a lot of oaks during that time. I'd, I'd leave yeah, them and, and find out if you can wait. I've got to run. I'm out of time. Thanks for calling. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Happy gardening.